Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to What You Need to Know with Matt Stoboff. I'm your host, Matthew Stoboff, and thank you guys for tuning in to the first episode of the podcast. Now, I hope many of you have watched the trailer episode, kind of get an understanding of what this podcast uh, is about. And if you haven't, you should go check it on anchor.com, um, which I have now made a Twitter for, Twitter for, which has the link to it. So if you want to go check on Twitter, it is at what to know. Uh, the two is the number two. So at what to know, uh, you can stay updated with all the podcasts. I'll, I'll put all the links up there and you guys can go check that out. And like I said, I'm very excited to, to do this. So um, as I said before, this is the first episode, my first interview. Now, you know, I had to go, I wanted to go easy for myself. So I did someone I knew, uh, my friend Alec Hendon who is the media relations manager for the Stockton Ports, which is a Class A advanced team out in Stockton, California. Uh, they're affiliated with the Oakland Athletics. And we had a really good conversation. Like I said, for this podcast, I want it to be, you know, this is really towards the audience to learn stuff, to learn other, you know, multiple jobs in the sports business, what things are like. So many people, I don't think, see themselves going into PR when they're going to school for journalism or want to work in sports. I just don't think many people, you know, grow up wanting to be a public relations uh, employee for anyone. Um, but it's a fascinating job and something that I've, I was even interested when I was in school. Um, like I said, Alec and I went to ASU together, so I always knew he kind of had an interest. He was always a big writer and he really goes into how he got that and, you know, how he was able to work into baseball and how competitive it is. And his story of how he got this job is pretty incredible. Um, you got to listen to see, it's going to be, it's a great interview. Um, it's a long one. It's about 40 minutes. So, uh, you know, these are usually relatively going to be long, uh, cause I really want to get as much out of these interviews for you guys, you know, so you can kind of listen to this anytime, you know, I don't expect people to maybe it's great if you listen to all of it at once, but if you listen to it a little bit of time, learn something each time you're listening, um, I, that, that's great for me. Uh, I would love that. And like I said, this is a great interview. I had a blast doing it. This is one of my good friends. So it was kind of casual and easy for both of us to get comfortable with the interview. And I'm going to have people, you know, uh, there'll be more people, different jobs, uh, and they won't all be from ASU. I, I promise the first few, uh, most likely are going to be from Arizona state. Uh, but I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you that will not always be the case. But like I said, this is a great interview. Uh, whether you like public relations or not, I think it's just great on how competitive, like I said, the professional world is and how he got his job is pretty amazing. And and how, uh, you know, his his time at ASU, he really did learn a lot. And he has some pretty cool experiences that we talked about in this. So here's Alec Hendon, media relations manager for the Stockton Ports. And enjoy, guys. All right, so we are here with Alec Hendon, the media relations manager for the Stockton Ports, a Class A advanced team for the Oakland Athletics out in Stockton, California. Alec, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. Happy afternoon. Good to talk to you. Yes, of course. Now, this is recorded on May 9th, 2020. Alec is a dear friend of mine. I've known him for a long time. My first guest, you know, I you know, I wanted to keep it simple. Someone I knew, keep things comfortable, get people an idea of the show. So, Alec, I got to ask you first, how does it feel to be a first guest on, on this podcast? It is such an honor, Matt. I've known you for a long time. Former roommates, just really good friends. Oh, we've had so many good conversations over the year talking about sports and various other things. And it's nice that we're going to be able to share our thoughts with the world. Hopefully the world uh, likes what we have to say. Yeah. Now, remember on this podcast, we're just talking about the sports stuff. Nothing else that happened in school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Anyway, so Alec, obviously I've known you for a long time, but our audience does not. So... We'll just kind of start with you. I know that you've grown up in you in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Um, just kind of talk about your childhood and growing up and kind of how that influenced you to work in sports. Okay, good. I like this. Well, going all the way back, uh, that's all I've had time to do right now is kind of think about the past. But like you said, grew up in the Phoenix area. Just from a really, really young age, I can remember just loving sports and specifically baseball. Growing up in the Phoenix area, there is so much high-quality baseball around you at all times. Growing up, going to spring training every year and seeing 14 other Major League Baseball teams play and see them at the beginning of their season, it was so such a cool experience. And just following the local Valley sports teams, 
And I knew that at some point I wanted to work in sports in some capacity. And then as I went through school, I discovered that my skills were more in like the writing communications field. I always felt more comfortable writing a long essay or a big story than doing 10 math problems. That's just the kind of kid I was. And then once I was looking for my college decisions, Arizona State was right down the street. It had a top-notch journalism program. They offered me a very good scholarship, and it was one of the few schools at the time that had a sports journalism major, so it was kind of just a perfect scenario. And five years later, Matt, we're, we're looking to take that next step in the world, even though it's a little bit funky out there right now, but it all just comes back to loving baseball and loving sports at a young age for me. Yeah, like I said, we're recording this on March 9th, 2020, so things are a little weird right now. Yes. Yeah, so obviously, so you you, you love all Arizona, you love it, you want to be a writer. Was there any certain writers you really looked up to? Arizona Republic is the main paper there. Was anyone there or some other newspapers or other outlets? Yeah, I definitely was following the local Arizona writers and Coro's. He's still the Diamondbacks writer for the Arizona Republic. I've read his stuff for a long, long time. I know he's a Cronkite graduate and covered, I believe, ASU hoops and footballs for the state press. Got to meet him a couple times. He's a good guy. But as far as other national writers, I've always been a big Tom Verducci fan. I love reading his Sports Illustrated feature stories. Ken Rosenthal with The Athletic. Jeff Passan with ESPN. Another guy I got to both men I got to meet somewhat recently and it, even though it's very short moments and they're very busy people it's it's different going up to a reporter they're used to people going up to them they're almost certainly not going to big league you they're going to have time to at least have a short conversation and give advice and be friendly which is something i really would love to stress to everyone trying to come up in the industry is don't be afraid to approach someone and in, even if it's a bad scenario, you can at least say, all right, I tried to talk to someone because you might make a connection. You might get an email address. You might get a phone number and you might just meet someone who could possibly hire you down the road or give you something to help you along in your career. Don't be afraid to branch out and try to meet people. Yeah, very true. Just the, all that advice. I completely agree. Uh, so going into high school, did you do anything that was affiliated with media? Did you do any stuff? Because obviously you were gaining an interest in uh, were you doing stuff before college to kind of get your feet wet, as as you would say? Yeah, I actually did a few things. Uh, my junior year, through our, a family friend I had, Rich Reed, he was one of my baseball coaches growing up, and just we were good friends with my dad. He works for Cox Communications doing essentially what who we know Mark Rita does. And he does he produced a lot of local sports, College or sorry, local high school football and baseball. Local high school football and baseball in the Phoenix area. So a couple times I got to be in the truck with him working on high school football broadcasts. And then for the state championship in baseball, I want to say it was 2013, my junior year. I got to be the statistician for the broadcast and be in the broadcast booth. And I thought that was such an awesome experience because I hadn't really done anything media related. The high school I went to didn't have an athletic program, which was very, very different and unique. But I always loved sports and knew that I wanted to get into the sports field in some way. And then once I started researching for college and I found out just everything Cronkite had, I pretty much knew, okay, this is what I want to pursue and spend my four years of college doing. So you you went to a high school with no athletic program. Yeah, I did. What was what happened? What was what was the decision that I'm as a sports guy? I'm guessing it wasn't your choice. Um, so it was just a little bit of where I went through K through eight. I was kind of I wouldn't say sick of the people I was going to school with. I just wanted a little bit of a change. So I went to a high school that was definitely a change. And while it didn't offer the athletic program, it offered me lots of other cool opportunities. Since starting primarily with I had a lot more freedom compared to other high school students. We had, when our junior and senior year, we were basically going over to this junior college that was walking distance from our high school, and our high school paid us to take, or paid for us to take courses over there, so I got a lot of my prerequisite college courses, you know, your English 101s, your stats, your early level math, the classes that I think most 
kids like going to Cronkite, Matt, I'm sure you were loving taking Spanish when you were hoping you were just going to be going out there and doing reporting things. So I was able to get that out of the way in high school. The, the drawback is that the school, in order to fund those programs, couldn't afford to have an athletic program. So I kind of decided, you know what, I'll have lots of time to probably pursue sports. And I know sports isn't going anywhere. I want to take advantage of this academic opportunity. And I was pretty fortunate. It wasn't definitely a place I loved going to high school. But looking back, I was happy with the opportunities that provided me. So, Alec, you're probably the f- going to be the first. You are the first and probably the only guest that maybe went to a high school without any sports. That's it's still fascinating to me. Um, so you go into high school, you graduate. And I want you to, to really be open about your college decision, because I think it's a realistic one for for many kids. Just for you, it was pretty much between ASU and University of Arizona. So you kind of, you know, had those two set in stone and you wanted to do journalism and just kind of go through the thought process. And I think, like I said, it's a pretty common one for many people of why you chose ASU. Yeah, it at the end of the day, it wasn't a super hard decision. When I was done with my senior year, I wasn't really interested in doing anything else besides trying to be in sports and communications. And when I was trying to make the decision, I got into both schools easy. It, it wasn't very hard for an in-state student. They off, Both schools offered very good academic opportunities. But simply at the end of the day, Arizona just didn't offer the academic opportunities. And plus, I was still able to go and be 30 minutes away from my house to go see my parents, go see my extended family, see my brothers. It's what Cronkite and ASU offered me. And growing up in the Phoenix area and having the freedom to be in downtown Phoenix all the time and to go to as many Diamondbacks and Suns games and hang out with people my age who also love sports, it it couldn't have been more of a dream come true for me. And it was a fairly easy decision, and it's a decision I'm glad I've made every day of the week now. And you were just looking at the two Arizona schools, right? Because for you, you know, family-wise, financially, you were looking to get the scholarship and the in-state tuition, correct? Right. Um, it's kind of funny, Matt, thinking about this in 2020. I was thinking about a year ago to the day. I've moved four times in the last year prior to March of 2017. I had been in the same house. For 17 years, my parents, I'm the oldest of three, three children. I have two younger brothers. My parents had a smaller place than me. And when my middle brother was born, they moved out into the suburbs and the house that you've been to that I grew up with in my neighborhood, typical suburbia, very nice community, very friendly people, nice house, the whole deal. And now I've been to the East coast when I was right out of school doing an internship I came back to San Diego, which is where my parents are now, and then I got the job up in Stockton. So it was, it, for me to look back at 2015 and think about all the times I've moved, now it's pretty crazy because I'm just someone who has never really loved change. I mm-hmm. like knowing that things are going to stay the same and nothing crazy was going to happen. So if there's one thing I've learned in the last year or plus is, how to be more adaptable because things are going to change and circumstances are going to change, locations are going to change. And I know that might have been a little bit of a long-winded answer, but I thought it was good to know, good for people to know that just because if you want a job, you might not be in the place that you want to be, especially in the media field. Mm-hmm. But knowing that it's the job more than the location is why you make these decisions. And we'll get into that more in the interview. So, and and you're right, you know, it, it really is about the experience then sometimes where you are. So you go, you go to ASU and obviously you're in this big journalism school, the big emphasis is journalism, what you're doing. A lot of the students are there. Similarly, you're about one again in sports or, you know, any sort of journalism one way or the other. So going to a school like that, that was centered around journalism, that had a program that was, like I said, centered around journalism, emphasis on it, uh, you know, a lot of resources into it. What would you would you see as some advantages as well as some disadvantages of being at such a big journalism school like that? I'd say the number one advantage is just the network it's given me now. The friends I met in August 2015 from living in Taylor Place, which is our dorm, two, the two floors that were connected by stairs were just all young 
19-year-old wannabe sports reporter. So I met you. I met Richard Giraffo, who's a good friend of ours, who's now a producer at ESPN. I met Chris Forty, who's my roommate up in Stockton. He's now the head sports information director at 22 years old for the University of the Pacific, which is a very, very strong West Coast Conference program. And we're still pretty fresh out of school. And knowing these people and many others I haven't mentioned who are out there doing really cool things and have been my friends for a long time because I got to know them personally. I got to know where they're from. I got to know what they like. I got to know them outside of sports, what they find interesting, how they how they tick. And so, number one, going to Cronkite and meeting a ton of new people who think similar to, similarly to me and have similar interests was an awesome experience. But then the potential drawbacks that come from that is the competition. And it's something that I think is good in the journalism field because, like most things in our society, those who do it best get to do more of that said thing. So getting those constant reps of going out and filming packages or going out and writing stories I knew that I'd have to fight for every opportunity. And I think it was a certain point, probably towards the end of my sophomore year, I decided, okay, what do I have to do to go to as many games so I can get these reps and cover them as much as possible? So I really dove headfirst into writing. I covered Arizona State. During my time there, I'll just list all the sports. Men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, softball, volleyball, soccer. We were at tennis matches. We were doing water polo. I saw pretty much everything under the sun in a Division One Pac-12 program, covering it as either a reporter or as just a guy who's helping out working the broadcast. And those are invaluable experiences because every time you go out to work a game, you're going to find something weird. You're going to, if you're a writer, you might cover a game that has a crazy comeback and you have to completely rewrite your story in a short amount of time. Or if you're working a live broadcast, things are going to go wrong. We both know this very well. You're going to learn how to adapt to adjust those circumstances on the fly. And so one of the tough things about ASU, I think some people might get dejected, is it's hard to find the opportunities. But I will tell you, if you're willing to put yourself out there and put in the work, the opportunities will find you, no matter what school you go to. Just work hard and work smart and be kind, and opportunities should find you. Hmm. Yep. I would find that very true. I guess, you know, that competitiveness, I felt it too when I was a student there. And um, did you really feel like, did you see that competitiveness as kind of a reality check on the business and even your short time working out? Do you see that same kind of competitiveness, that same kind of, uh, you know, people going after the same jobs or trying to get certain roles. Did you, do you see that? in did you, when you saw that in school, have you seen that now in the real world? Uh, yes, I'd say I definitely have even going and meeting people, not from Arizona state, but from other journalism schools or kids from other schools. We all kind of, I think maybe have a little bit of chip on our shoulder. Like we can sometimes hold our head high. Oh, we went to Arizona state. We went to Cronkite. We're very proud of this. I, I'm big time. I deserve that. You can't have that attitude because most of us, I'll even include myself, even though I didn't have a long athletic career, we all kind of have that athlete mentality, especially those working sports. It's the idea that if I'm not working hard, someone is working harder than me and they're going to take that opportunity from me. And I think that's just something that drives me as well as drives tons of other reporters in the industry it's having that mindset of back when you're playing athlete, playing sports athletically and just competing. Because once I think you stop competing in life and you lose that edge, you can get too comfortable. And especially in a field like this where there's hundreds of new kids coming to Cronkite every year who want to be sports reporters or want to work in sports in some capacity. You can't get complacent. You have to be able to work hard. But also when you work hard, it doesn't mean you have to is for a less of a better term, be a jerk. You can still be the nicest guy in the world and work hard. You can still be friendly to everybody who you work on a broadcast with. You can still be con- courteous and kind to other reporters and writers that you share a press box with. Just because you're competing with someone doesn't mean you have to be a jerk. I'd say that's something important in knowing how to channel that energy and those juices. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, you know, 
it's it's competitive. It's it's and you sometimes do have to shrug some people out of the way and you you do have to be aggressive with some things, but that doesn't mean you have to be a jerk about it. You can, you know, still see how things do and keep in touch with uh people who are more experienced with you, maybe younger students who maybe even look up to you. Um, I always find that healthy. And even with the younger students I knew, and I know you did the same thing. And, and a lot of, a lot of kids I knew, uh, do try to help people out in that sense. So I always found that valuable. Um, anyway, so going to school, obviously you were talking about, you covered a lot of sports at ASU. Um, the first time you covered, it could be an Olympic sport. And even if you want to go football and basketball, the major ones, because it's funny, right? Like a lot of these students, you know, when you're in college and you're covering these students, especially if you're working D1, you know, these kids are our age, all these students, you're all this similar age, but because they're these D1 athletes, especially if you're in the bigger sports like football and basketball, they seem like they're on a whole different level. They just don't even feel like a real student. It's, it's kind of crazy. So for you, how did you feel that first time? How how nervous were you even talking to the coaches? You know, Todd Graham was not exactly the the friendliest of guys, I think, at ASU. So I always heard funny stories about that, the football coach. Um, and just kind of was it like your, your, your first experience, whether it was a freshman or sophomore, doing that major sport or even the Olympic sports. What was that like your first time? Okay, so I'll give you the two answers. The first time working... The non-major sport was my sophomore year. I covered Arizona State Volleyball. And this was a particularly very bad Arizona State Volleyball team. I'm pretty sure they finished 11th or 12th in the Pac-12. This is this is and, women's volleyball, by the way. Yes, yes. Only, only women's volleyball was the D1 sport in the Pac-12. But anyways, I covered one of their matches. I forget who they were playing. It was a conference game. We'll say it's Colorado or something like that. They lost in three sets volleyball is not a sport that i knew particularly well what i wanted was the rep in the byline knowing that hey if i work hard and grind on this beat i will probably get to cover baseball in the, in the spring which is exactly what i did because covering arizona state baseball was one of my main goals going to asu as a huge baseball fan and knowing the history and tradition of the arizona state program so in order to get that, you have to cover and be willing to be a good teammate and cover different stories. And I remember my first volleyball game I covered. I didn't know a lot about the sport. So I was going to not – I was thinking, all right, I don't have to ask any questions. The other reporters and those who know better will ask the questions. And I remember those two student athletes came to the, the dais, and I think they got two questions each and gave very short answers because they were not happy about the result. Hmm. And at that point, I'm thinking, oh, no, I have to build a story around these quotes, and I have two nothing quotes. And because I wasn't prepared enough to go out there and ask questions and do my job, and so I knew at that time, all right, I need to step my game up. I don't have to know this game well enough or that well, but I have to know it well enough to convey a story and be able to get along and know how to communicate with these athletes because I understand for these volleyball players this is their life this is what they've dedicated themselves to they've gotten to a pretty good program and if the media is going to be there and they're not going to ask insightful and smart questions that's a little bit of an insult to the players so that's something i cannot stress enough to any reporters if you're covering something you don't know do your research and learn enough to sound confident and right then mm-hmm. i'll give you my answer i'll try to be brief with this one too when i covered my first asian football game it was Todd Grant's final year. The team was actually playing pretty well at the time, but then uh, USC and Sam Donald rolled into town, and they just steamrolled ASU on, I don't think it was homecoming, but it was a pretty big game. ASU-USC, those are always big games. ASU fans are going to get up for it, and ASU just got absolutely blown out, and it, was, it wasn't it was close from the beginning. But where I was lucky I still got to do my story, and I think I might have asked one question because there's just tons of other professional reporters there who do it for a living, and they, they're constantly in and around the program and getting stories and getting access that students just simply cannot get. And I'll give credit to some to the Arizona State Sports Information Department because never in my time there was a coach or a player rude, were they not helpful, were they late, they were everybody in and around the program in the university was super helpful and 
kids went out of the way to make all media feel comfortable, especially students who were doing it for the first time and maybe weren't so sure about how to cover the event or just the different intricacies. Because as you know now, and we both learned well now, covering professional sports and covering collegiate sports are two very different things. Super different. Very different. It's crazy. But yeah, you're right. I mean... I remember at school they were pretty helpful with football, but the volleyball thing interests me because I actually did not know, didn't know that story from you. So I find that fascinating, and, I'm, and I know a lot of people have had similar experiences. So for you, how important to, to tell the people listening right now? How important is it to go into sports that you're not entirely comfortable with, or you're essentially forced to cover them if you're on assignment, like like a volleyball, or if you're, you know. If you're covering gymnastics, if you're covering wrestling, how important is to cover those Olympic sports? It's vital because what you will find, especially let's say you're going into ASU and you just were a stud wrestler in high school, you've wrestled your whole life, you know everything about the game, you know, or the sport, you know, all the little intricacies. And if you can run up to a publication or a student organization and say, hey, I know this in and out, I want to cover this. When you go to those events and you interview those athletes and those coaches, they're going to appreciate you so much more because they know you have a genuine interest in their sport and you also have a strong working knowledge. Because that's the number one thing I think athletes will complain about the media is like when they'll ask certain questions and they'll think it's silly or that it's simply something that the reporters should know if they're going to cover the event. Never come unprepared to an event that you're going to cover. If you're going to ask a tough question to a basketball player about why they're struggling, why they've been shooting inefficiently, come back with some research that you know if this is a long-term trend or it just could be a slump. Same thing if you're talking to a hitter who's you know going through a 1-for-20, but say they were hitting 300 before the event. They probably won't take too kindly if you ask that question about why are you struggling the wrong way once they've had previous success. So it's a tough balancing act, but the number one thing you, I can tell you people – is just be prepared for to cover to know what you're talking about when you're covering the sport that you are covering. It's good to know. Um, so you know that was a, that was a lot about ASU, um, and obviously you did a lot there. So uh, you covered a bunch of sports as a writer, mainly as a writer. Um, then you graduate, so you you still want to continue writing, still want to do a passion uh, of you still have a passion of writing, and uh, you have I know a big passion for baseball. So what did you do graduating from college, and how was what was the process of getting this job? So the first thing I did post grad was worked in the Cape Cod Baseball League, which is the top collegiate summer wood bat baseball league in the United States. It takes place for those who don't know too well because as someone who's coming from Phoenix, Arizona, and I'd previously only been on the East Coast one time and hadn't visited Massachusetts, Cape Cod is about as far east as you can go into the continental United States. It's a very cool little, it's a cape that sticks out to the Atlantic, and the top college baseball players from across the country come and play for one of the eight teams, and they simulate kind of what professional baseball would be like because the key differences between college and pro baseball is number one, the different bats, it's a wood bat league, and the number of games. Most college athletes or college baseball players are used to playing three or four games a week. In the Cape League, you grind through games from June, July into mid-August playing six or seven days a week. And with weather as it is, Probably by the time you reach July, you're going to be playing double headers, and you might be dealing with playing eight or nine games in six days, just because of how craziness, it, how crazy the weather would would be. And what you would learn is what you'll learn in professional baseball is what the players were learning is how to play every single day. And as a reporter who was covering one of these teams every day, I was the main writer for the Orleans Firebirds. It was the team I was working for up there. I was covering and was at those every one of those nine games in six days or craziness that came with it. And that's what it's like when you're going to cover professional baseball or work for a professional baseball team. I love baseball. I love that it's a day-in and day-out grind. I love that it's a 100-plus game schedule. But that's very different than someone, let's say, who wants to work in the NFL where you have 16 days a year where you're working, not including preseason or postseason games. 
where everything is built around the time not being at the games and not working at the field, which is what I liked about baseball and what I specifically liked about the Cape League is because I got to learn how to be a reporter day in and day out and truly grind through dog days because I never had that experience before. And it was just a really, really cool opportunity to see what will be the next wave of professional baseball players. Now, working so many games at a time, you must have been burnt out at some point in the season, no? Oh, yes, definitely. That point came so many times just because, for me, I was, at certain points this summer, I got homesick. I was so far away from home. I was in a culture that was so very different than what I grew up with. I'm very much a West Coast guy. I'm pretty more relaxed and there's something very, very different about New England, which is not to say that New England isn't an awesome place. I loved every minute up there. I met tons of great people. It's a beautiful place. And if there's one place that is truly American and what the 4th of July looks like in the history of our country, I thought that was a very cool aspect of it. But for someone who was coming from Phoenix, Arizona, which is desert heat, someone who got used to heat and humidity and never felt that before. It is a super culture shock. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, just kind of going off that more, that was the first time you really left home. And, yeah. you know, for a lot of people in the future and, and future guests going to come on, you know, they work far from their hometown or where they went to college. So I know you kind of talked about it, but did it ever make you want to come home or what were the major adjustments that you made for yourself to kind of help you feel comfortable being in the Cape for that long? You just have to talk to people. I was very lucky. I made some very, very good friends. I lived with three other guys who I worked with. One of which is a guy we both know well, Scotty Gaines. She's an ASU recent graduate of ASU. He's about to do some big things in the sports world and, we actually shared a room as well as not just roommates. We shared a very small room. Matt, you saw the place. We got very close to each other. We talked all the time. He was from the West Coast as well. He, had, he hadn't been home for a long time. So you have to find people who are experiencing the things that you're experiencing as well. And just don't be afraid to reach out and talk to people if you're struggling, if you're having a tough time being away from home because it's never easy. But thankfully, due to the technology we have in 2020, it is not as difficult, I'd say, because you still have that ability to pick up your smartphone and call anybody in the world at any any time, any place, and have that interaction that even 20 years ago we wouldn't have. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's completely different. Um, but yeah, I mean, your place. I mean, for the for you guys, the audience listening, Alec, how how much square footage? Five hundred. Maybe, man. It, it was tiny. and <laughs> It was small. The East Coast, it's a, it's a small cape. It's a, yep. not a ton of property, and you just have to adapt and know that there you don't have a lot of space around you. But it, it's it's part of the experience, and it was an invaluable experience, and it's an experience I'm very glad I did. And it's pretty crazy to think that kids will not have that opportunity this summer to do that. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And f- for the audience, just to give a true idea of what this place was like, their only shower was outside. That's, that's yeah. I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm just leaving it at that. Okay, so yes, you do that was absurd. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. So you and also no laundry, right? Or you had to figure that out too? Something like yeah, that. No, there was no uh, washer dryer at the place. Right, right. <laughs> long summer. Very long summer. Especially in that humidity in the Cape. So you do you do the Cape League, you do Orleans. Um and then you, you, you take a bit of a rest, you know, you're looking for your job and you, you took your time. So what was your thought process of, uh, look, what kind of job you were looking for and then how you got to Stockton? So the Cape League season ends maybe August 15th or something like that. I forget when you and, uh, John came through and got to see our place a little bit. We spent a couple days together it was nice to see you hadn't seen you since may in phoenix yeah john's a friend of mine by the way yeah good friend friend of the program but um so after the season ended my family came and visited me and we did a week kind of touring boston and rhode island and we went to connecticut and saw the east coast we hadn't been able to do a trip like that so that was awesome to get away from the grind of baseball 
And after that, I moved back in with my parents here in San Diego. And as someone who grew up in Phoenix his whole life and was Arizona summers and Arizona everything, it's my home and I loved it. But anytime I could get to California as a kid, I loved it so much. And my parents living in San Diego, I decided, you know what? I'm just going to live here for a little while, unwind, get away from the grind of sports, get away from the grind of writing stories every day. And I got a job in a restaurant and lived in San Diego from from September to December, working at a place, meeting a bunch of new people, getting away and doing something completely different than what I had done in school. And I made pretty good money at the time, and I had a ton of fun. It wasn't the most glamorous job in the world, but I met a lot of people, and I was living in a place I wanted to live. And I think that break did a lot of good for me because once November, December started rolling around, I just got that itch that I decided, okay, I need to get back to sports. I need to get back to games. I need to get back to doing the grind of working in sports again because this was nice to get away from, but this wasn't something that I wanted to do for a long time. And it wasn't anything I was thinking about career-wise. So is that something that you advise people to do especially people maybe worked a little bit in sports maybe maybe still in school and stuff and you know they kind of feel the true grind of it and maybe feel tired of it do you think do you advise people to take that kind of break i would say it's all case by case individual basis we had friends who had jobs right outside of school and they went and dove right back into it and there was no problem for them and they loved it and it is what it is if you feel like you're overwhelmed and you've done something for too long and you want a break, take the break. If you are doing your job, doing whatever you want to be doing, and you enjoy it and you want to keep doing it, keep pushing through and keep doing it. It's just all a case-by-case basis because obviously you can make that decision and then two months later at working at whatever job, you might hate it, and then you can reassess and then go from there. But it all is kind of an individual basis. But for me, getting away and taking that break made a huge difference. And it helped me get onto the next stage and set up what became my next opportunity. Huh, interesting. So, yeah, going, going to that next opportunity, uh, just, you know, explain how you were hired by Stockton, by Stockton Ports. So it was just kind of a perfect scenario. The Major League Baseball winter meetings, if anyone who's listening to this is a baseball fan and has any interest in getting into professional baseball, please learn what the winter meetings is. It is. It happens usually every December. The entire Major League Baseball world and Minor League Baseball world congregate on a city, and this year it just happened to be San Diego. And I had the lucky advantage of living in the city at the time where the event was going to take place. Because this event happens all over the country. I think the one that was supposed to happen this year is scheduled for Dallas. Obviously, that still remains very much up in the air. But you go and you meet a ton of people and network. And there's a job fair within the minor league world where you go and try and find various other positions that minor league teams across the country are providing. And... I decided, I believe in October, that I wanted to attend the event and just say, hey, I need to throw my hat in the ring and see if I find a job working in professional baseball. Hmm. And I knew a good amount of people there from either the Cape League or Arizona State friends who were doing the same thing that I was doing. Here's what people need to know about the winter meetings, though. Most of the people there that are seeking the jobs want to be play-by-play people. There was one play-by-play job open, and if there was 200 people applying for jobs, 120 of them, I'd say, were trying to get that one play-by-play job. Wow. And I was not looking for that because I hadn't done play-by-play in a very long time. And I was looking for some sort of communications, media relations, writing jobs that a team would post. And I must admit, I was super, super selective. I decided I wasn't going to apply for a job east of Salt Lake. That was my personal decision. I don't necessarily begrudge anyone if they think that's crazy because I knew that I didn't want to be too far from home because my family is here in Southern California or in Arizona. I didn't want to be more than a short plane ride away from them for any potential job I got. I got lucky in that 
many people applied for these jobs didn't get a call. I applied for maybe six jobs. I got one call, and it was from my boss now. His name's Pat Philippone. Pat Philippone, he's the president of Stockton Ports, and he offered me, or he asked to do an interview Monday night for Tuesday the next afternoon. I come Tuesday afternoon. We talk. We have a good interview. Everything goes well. I think we get along, and I just go from there. I sway the whole day Wednesday. I'm talking with people I meet. Because that's a cool experience. Part of that as well is you meet a ton of people, and then once the day event ends, you go to dinner, or you have drinks, and you just talk about life and baseball, and it's it's a really really cool experience because you're talking with people who have a lot of similar interests. Wednesday rolls around. I'm in the San Diego Convention Center. I get a call from Pat, and he offers me the position and asks if we can meet in two hours at a hotel bar, and I am ecstatic i am losing it i am so happy the emotions are overwhelming i came to this event with a goal in mind and at this point i've accomplished it two hours later i meet with pat we discuss final details and i walk out of there as the new media relations manager for the stockton ports wow yeah you know sometimes it's just like that sometimes you know you get offered in in a hotel bar it's just really that simple sometimes uh yeah that's a cool story actually i didn't even know about that part so that's very interesting to me so you know obviously it's been a few months no baseball no baseball but what you know well actually i want to go this route first so going into public relations right when i was a I think my freshman year of college, I did not know what public relations was. So did you ever see yourself, even knowing that you wanted to do writing, and I know your father's in PR, so maybe that had an influence, but did, did you ever think at one point that you would work with public relations, whether it was for sports or not? Uh, if you would have asked freshman year of college me, I would have said absolutely no way. And that's just because I thought at that point I was so invested in wanting to be a sports reporter and being a journalist and covering all these stories and thinking I was probably some cross between Edward or Woodward and Bernstein and Ken Rosendahl <laughs> because that's just what I thought I would be. And then as time grows and evolves and you see that there's tons of weird and unique and different opportunities, I decided what I wanted to do was work in sports and specifically baseball and I didn't care what kind of role that would be. And that might not, that might change 10 years from now. Maybe I'm interested. Hey, I like reporting. I miss it. You go back to that. Cause I think that's kind of something that's misunderstood now is that when I've talked to plenty of people up and around the game of baseball who do PR, they were probably a reporter at one point or vice versa, just because it is similar skill sets and similar jobs, just different people who are paying you to do what you're going to do. So I wouldn't begrudge anyone from saying, if you thought all these years, oh, I want to be a reporter, or I want to be a PR person, you can you that you have to do one or the other because there's tons of opportunities to do both. And they both have their positives. And they both have their things that make them less ideal. But Matt, it's hard to think that there's anything better, especially for me, than getting paid to go work professional baseball games. Very true. So Alex, so I guess kind of explain because – like I said, I didn't even know what PR was in high school or in high school and college. So for people who are younger, high school, whatever, just kind of explain exactly what public relations is. So various companies and various teams and organizations across the country want to be able to form good and quality relationships with any and all media outlets that'll cover them. And now, most teams have general managers and on-field managers or presidents, CEOs, CFOs who are busy running the companies and doing all these things or whatever that they need to do to make their business succeed and move forward and be profitable. So what they do is they hire people like myself, media professionals mostly, who have these relationships, have these connections, and know how to present the message that the company or the organization wants to put out. So that's my primary job. I am the primary voice and message for internal and external communications for the Stockton Ports. Like you mentioned earlier, we are the high A affiliate for the Oakland Athletics. We are the oldest team in the California League, which is one of the minor league baseball's oldest leagues. We have been an organization since 1941. We are a pillar of our community in the Stockton area. 
we take a lot of pride in the community outreach that we do. We take a lot of pride in where we stand as an organization, where we stand with our ballpark, where we help in our community, and especially in times like these. So what a PR person kind of does is, for lack of a better word, present a good, positive, honest, and truthful message about whatever organization they work for. And it doesn't matter if it's sports, it doesn't matter if it's Wall Street businesses and banking and executives, every credible big time organization has PR people. So good PR is how the Patriots handle Tom Brady leaving the Bucks, but bad PR is how the Houston Astros handled their sign stealing scandal. We we can do an hour on how the <laughs> Astros have bungled public relations for more than a year and a half, but I'd say those are both pretty pretty good examples. Okay. Just and, and mm-hmm. like you were mentioning there, the Astros and the Patriots, that's pretty big time compared to where I am right now. No one's out there trying to do hit pieces or tough journalism on the ports or minor league sports and all that. So it's a starting point is that you learn how to deal with media at a micro level before you get to that macro level. If Let's say you're the PR person for the Los Angeles Dodgers, New York Yankees, Jets, Giants, just teams that have an absurd media following and where your players are going to be constantly under a microscope. Hmm. Yeah. Very yeah, that's that's pretty dead on on that. Uh, so I know you haven't, you know, it hasn't been a baseball season for you yet. But what's the coolest thing you've done with your job so far that really makes you love it and been like, wow, like I'm really getting paid to work in sports, or wow, like I can't believe I'm here. It, it's just kind of the cool part of going to a when we were going to work and going to an office every day, going to the ballpark and being a part of the intro introductory decisions that go into what a season will plan to be. We were scheduled to host the 2020 California league all-star game. Hasn't been officially canceled yet, but it's hard to think that an event like that is going to take place given our current climate as a society at the moment here in the United States. But we were planning towards how we can make that event as good as possible how we can make the life for our players as best as possible. We had a whole situation where we, when the guys arrived to Stockton, which probably would have been only three or four days before they would have begin playing games, it's where do you want to go when you're in town? Where are the good restaurants? Where are the cool apartments? Where, where do you need to go to go have some fun? Where do you need to go to go catch a movie? Just how helping our players become more comfortable and be a part of the community that they are going to be living in for either a short while or a full season because so many of these minor league guys aren't sure where they're going to be and they might spend so little time in a minor league city that they don't get to know the people, don't get to feel like they're a part of the community and that they're just kind of a small peg in the bigger plan for the organization that they're a part of that umbrella. So what I was trying to do was my main goal was to help our players because that was one thing I heard from fellow front office people is that they felt they weren't doing as good a job as possible to help the players feel comfortable and as good a part of our community as as they could be while they're spending their time there. And that's all things I was doing just in the off season before I had even met our manager or any of our players. Hmm. Wow. So you, I guess, had a lot to do before the, the season really started. Um, or Absolutely. when it was going to start. So that that's that's a lot. I mean, I, I'm not even surprised by that. You know, I know a lot goes into a preseason and even setting up all the stats and the bios for everyone and, and having yeah. the media book and all that, even for minor league, has got to be crazy. So um, I guess, would you consider that the main challenge of your job or what are some things that, you know, obviously there's no season right now that you've prepared for, uh, come a season at some point, like I know you and I have talked about if someone from the athletics comes down in rehab or things like that. So what are the some of the main challenges that you would face on your job? I'd say what you mentioned right there is a big one. Once teams send players down to the lower levels to do rehab assignment, I'll give an example that I heard about from the last year was Sean Manaya, pitcher for the Oakland Athletics, who when he returned to Oakland, was very good at the end of the season. He made one rehab start in Stockton 
in, I believe, July or something like that. And just making sure that we're in constant communications with Ace people to make sure that he's get to his hotel room properly, that he has the number of tickets he's going to need for fans. But the main thing that would affect my job is because he is a big-time pitcher for the A's, he ended up starting a wild-card game for them last year, he's going to attract Oakland media and people who are going to cover the A's and him on a regular basis who want to check in and see how his rehab start goes. So you have to be able to accommodate more people who are going to be attending that specific start and game that aren't normally going to be there and helping Sean out and making sure, or whoever the player would be, to make sure he's as comfortable with his locker, he's comfortable, has the right uniform, and everything that he'll possibly need to make sure that he's in and out as soon as possible. He gets, he throws his three innings or whatever it needs to be. He speaks to the media. He speaks to whoever he needs to, and then we can get him as soon as we, as soon as possible, back to the big leagues. Got it. So, yeah, that's that's a lot, and I, you know, I can't imagine that. You know, all of a sudden you have a bunch of these prospects, minor league guys, and then this major leaguer comes and he's got, you know, five extra steps that you got to take before you, you know, that you would do for any of the minor league guys. So obviously that's a challenge to your job. Another challenge is what's going on right now, just with everything going on with the coronavirus. Uh, what's been the toughest thing that you've had to change uh, being, you know, forcing to work from home? Um, that you wouldn't have normally done come May now? I'd say number one is someone who writes and depends on content and things for happen, things to happen in order to have things to write about is working for an organization that I'm still learning a lot about and don't know the history, not being from the area and thinking of unique ways to get our fans excited for the potential of when a season could begin and when we're going to start picking things up because those are just answers that I don't know, you don't know, and I don't think anyone has a very clear picture of. And figuring out how to keep our fans engaged and excited when I haven't had the pleasure of even really meeting them around the ballpark. Hmm. And that's that's just such a tough part is if a season was going on right now, I'd have something to write about every day. I'd be talking to the players every day. And I'd learn if the third baseman has some cool hobby. Let's say he likes to do magic or something cool like that. That's something our fans would like to learn about. Or the the closer plays the guitar really well. Or just unique things that you don't get to learn about until if you're not around the players and the team and the fans. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. If you, you can't meet someone, you're not going to have any relationship. And, you know, you haven't been there long enough to really understand the, you know, what 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 Stockton's like and how the ball team affects the community and everything like that. So to kind of wrap this all up, I have we'll start with I'll give you I have two questions left. So I'll give I'll just ask this one for now. You, know, you kind of you've kind of hinted at it or mentioned it a few times, but just overall, you know, like you said, it's a it's a lot of work in PR and it's a lot of tough stuff and there's going to be challenges ahead for you. I know you've only done this for a few months, but why do you love it? Have you you know, do you love that you've taken this path and that you are where you are today? Very much so. I'd say the thing that I'm most proud of at this point is come last October, so say so October 2019, I set and plan a goal. I said, I'm going to go to the winter meetings, I'm going to apply for a bunch of jobs, and I'm going to land a job in professional baseball come the beginning of 2020. And I did exactly what I set out to do. And I am super proud of myself and that I was able to do that. Because there were definitely times during the process where I thought, am I going to be able to get this? Am I willing to go move somewhere that I don't know too many people or don't know anybody at all? Am I really this invested into working in professional baseball? And to know that I was able to land that gig and to be able to work the job for about six weeks before just life was turned upside down for every single person in the world. I was enjoying every minute of it. I was making money for the first time on a regular basis, which was something I had never done in my life, even though I had worked other jobs. It was just different now because I had never worked 40 hours a week and I had never seen what a 40 hour a week paycheck would look like. So that was just a very, very cool opportunity for me to see what potential lied ahead from working in sports every day 
And it was such a, such a cool opportunity, Matt. Hey, yeah, I, I can imagine. Even, you know, just, you know, your office as a stadium. Is, is, it's got to be awesome. Um, I, I, I can't wait when, when baseball season comes back. Uh, to wrap it everything up, I just want you, you know, this, you know, this podcast is, like I said, centered for people who are looking to get in the business, whatever age you are. But, you know, it's a lot of younger people, you know, whether in high school, college, or even just graduated, you know, shoes that you've definitely been in uh, before. So what's kind of advice maybe you give altogether to those those groups or to each one that, you know, if you're in high school, what would you do now? In college, what, what would you try to do and, and how to help yourself when you graduate? Number one thing you can do is make sure whenever you're working in sports and whatever you're doing, have fun and enjoy it and understand how awesome and unique an opportunity you're being presented because if you're going to be out there complaining and whining about being stuck in the heat for a long baseball game or a team you work for has made three years in an inning, understand that there is someone there who would love to be in your shoes and would relish the opportunity to take that position. Enjoy it, work hard, have fun, and know how lucky you are to work the job that you will be working. Because there is always going to be someone there in a field like this where its jobs are few and far between and it's very competitive and there's a ton of people that want it, make sure that you're always working hard and being honest with yourself that am I doing everything I can to make the organization better, make the lives of the players better, get you entertain your readers better if you're a reporter, getting the scoop and finding your sources, just doing any, everything you can to possibly be possibly be the best at your job okay alec that's that's it for me so uh thank you for coming on you were guest number one so i i hope you understand how big of achievement this is for you matt it's a such an honor i'm so glad you're doing this i know we've talked about you doing this for a while and i'm glad when you called me and you told me you had all the necessary equipment and i'll say the one good thing about going through times like this right now is that we have the time to set aside and look back and think back to all the decisions that we've made that led us to this moment and say, what did I do right here? What did I do wrong here? And I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of these podcasts. I know you're about to have some awesome guests lined up after me, and I'm happy to say I'm here at the beginning. Yeah, you know, we thought we'd go easy. That's why I did PR first. <laughs> yeah. It was a good call. Yeah. All right. Alec Hendon, thank you so much. We appreciate it. And hopefully uh, we'll do another interview with you when more things progress and you actually ex- experience working a baseball game and getting paid for it. Sounds good, Matt. Looking forward to that day. Be safe and have fun. All right. Thank you, Alec. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I know there were a couple of uh, you know, audio mistakes. You might have heard my desk or something like that. Uh, you know, we're still working out the kinks here. This is a brand new podcast, so I'm still figuring it out as well. But like I said, I really hope you guys enjoy that interview. I know I learned a lot, and I've I've known Alec for a long time, and I still learn new stuff from that interview. So I, I had a great time talking to him. Um, and also, if you want to follow him on Twitter and, and keep updated with him, you can follow him at Alec Hendon. Alec A L E C underscore H E N D E N. Uh, Alec, if you're listening, thank you for being my first guest. Uh, the next one, uh, we're still working out the kinks. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm figuring some things out. It's probably going to be another ASU student, but it won't be public relations. Um, we'll see. It's going to be if it's if it's who I'm planning to get, it'll be it'll be it'll be a good interview. I know he he's been great, and all the guests are going to be great. Uh, but if, I would really like to get this next person, uh, which I'm still working out, but it will be that will come out sometime this week uh, i'll get it all said and, and we'll have it done uh sometime this week uh also uh right now like i said on twitter at what to know is where you can follow it um and all the episodes are gonna be posted on there um they're also gonna be on anchor uh anchor.fm anchor.com uh which is pretty popular uh place to upload podcasts and then pretty soon they're also going to be on the two main podcast outlets spotify and Apple Music. So uh, easy places for you guys to share the podcast, listen to the podcast, uh, listen to what to whenever you're you know doing stuff. Um, so I'll get that going, and that should be done pretty soon. By the time the next episode comes out, so for everyone listening right now, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, 
we'll have another person next week. Uh, like I said, it's probably if it's who I'm trying to get, it's going to be another ASU student um, or a former ASU alum. We're not even students anymore. Oh my God, it really has been a year since I graduated. Uh, but it's it's going to come out this week, um, and I'll have I'll have another guest and get you guys more advice and and let me know. You know, come you know you can at Matt underscore Stolboff S T O L B O F if you guys have any questions. Uh, you can also DM. Uh, the Twitter page as well, or, you know, feel free uh, to DM my personal Twitter page, like I said. Um, and yeah, so I'll have that all set up. And I'm also planning to put it up on another website, all the episodes. So I'll be working on that as well. So thank you again for listening to the very first episode of What You Need to Know with Matt Stolboff. Uh, thank you guys and stay tuned for another episode this week.